we turn back to Isaiah chapter 60. The book of the prophet Isaiah, the 60th chapter. And our text in the words of the third verse. We read from the beginning. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Amen. Particularly the words at the beginning of the verse there. And Gentiles shall come to thy light. Tonight I want to bring before you the vision of great gospel blessings that are envisaged and foretold by Isaiah in this chapter. Let's set the scene as it is pictured by Isaiah here. There is over the whole earth a prevailing darkness, a spiritual darkness. The light of the gospel has not yet in Isaiah's time reached out to the nations of the world. Gross darkness lies upon the people of our planet, all from one corner to another. And yet into this long spiritual night, the longed-for promised light would come and would dawn a new day. The glory of the Lord would rise upon the Jewish people. He was their Messiah promised to them. And the Messiah would indeed come and the light would rise with him. We can compare what is given here in the opening verses of this chapter with the way that John opens his gospel. John chapter 1 begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighted every man that cometh into the world. So we have this wonderful, great and divine light of God who comes into the world, this world of darkness. But he came, as it were, to the one place where there was a candle of light flickering into the midst of the Jewish people. John 1 again says he came unto his own. And the wonder and glory of that event, of the the light of God coming down into this world of darkness is foreseen by Isaiah with great clarity. There, years and hundreds of years before it happened, Isaiah foresaw it in this vision. And what he saw with great joy was then celebrated with great joy by the angels 
who came down to witness and bear witness to the birth of Christ upon the hills and mountains around Bethlehem where the shepherds saw them. And so with this beginning, the great gospel of Jesus is afoot and the great saviour is come and the time of the power of the darkness is set to fade away. The dawn has begun to break over our world. And the hope of Israel is to be realised in this one person. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the centre of it all. Everything, everything rests upon the shoulders of the child born in Bethlehem. And such is the wonder of that moment. And the power that has been unleashed, as it were, into this world. Such is the transformation that was caused by the light coming into the world. That nations of the, other, of the world all around, non-Jewish, Gentile, heathen, godless nations begin to notice the light that has dawned. And Gentiles are drawn in to the place of Christ's Coming to this light, to his light, to the glory of the Lord in this place. And slowly at first, but then in a steady stream, the peoples and nations of the world are to be drawn to the light of the Jews and to the glory of the Jewish nation who is Jesus Christ himself. And the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon this nation And the power of God is seen in the the miracles of Jesus. And the wisdom of God is seen in the teachings and the parables of Jesus. And the grace of God is seen in the humility and meekness of Jesus. And the mercy of God is seen in the suffering and in the cross of Jesus. And the victory of Jesus is seen in this resurrection three days later. And the dominion and power of Jesus is seen in his ascension. To the throne of the universe after 40 days. And we are drawn like a moth to the light. To the light that has dawned in the darkness. Now we know that despite the dawning of the light. The Jews rejected their saviour. They refused their own glory and they turned away from their own light. But come on to verses 4 and 5. Lift up thine eyes round about and see, Isaiah pleads with this people. Lift up your eyes. Look at what's happening. The Gentile nations are coming. What does that mean? It means the light has come. And he prophesies that the Jews shall see then verse 5 thou shalt see and they will join in with the flow of converts from all the gentile nations and the armies and forces of the gentile nations will come to the jews not in war but in peace not in conquest but rather as those who have been conquered themselves by the saviour And by the light of the world that has dawned. This is the vision 
This is the view that Isaiah bursts onto the page with. Way back in Old Testament times. We can compare it. The imagery is taken up again by John. This time, not in his gospel, but in the Revelation. Revelations 21, 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honour into it. It was a wonderful, wonderful view that Isaiah had. But we have to notice the way he presents it. The order that he gives it to us in. The light comes. The Gentiles see the light and turn to it. But Israel seemingly is slow. Slow to awaken. Slow to open their eyes. Slow to see. In a stupor of her own rebellion. And she must be roused to wake to it. To lift up her eyes and behold what is happening. The Gentiles have seen the light that the God of Abraham, their God, is the true God. And that the promised Messiah has come in the person of Jesus Christ. That salvation is accomplished for all the nations of the world through that cruel, cruel cross. Oh, Israel, pleads Isaiah. Oh, Israel, lift up thine eyes and then thou shalt see. Well, that is the promise for today that we hold to so dearly. That the children of Abraham, by nature, will yet see. That the Jews will yet see the light of God in Jesus Christ. That they will yet flow together into the stream of Gentile believers. And come to see together the light of the world in the face of Jesus. And oh, the Christian who reads his Bible Longs for that day. Yearns for that blessing. That's the view that is here. Now we've taken longer than usual. Over an introduction. But what I want to notice with you tonight. Is this opening line of the third verse. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. That is before. The Jews will return. Before the Jews will yet realize what they've been missing all along. And why the Gentiles have seen it. The Gentiles will come to thy light. Is the prophecy of Isaiah. When? Well in the time between the coming of the light. And the turning of the Jews. Now we have had the coming of the light. But we have not yet had the turning of the Jews. So that means we are in this time friends. It is now. Now is what Isaiah is speaking of when he says. And Gentiles shall come to thy light. Our time. The time between the coming of the light. And the realization amongst the Jews that the light has come. In the now. Gentiles. Heathen, godless, come to that light. We don't know how much longer it'll be. It's been going on for 2,000 years. How much longer will it be? But for the now, for the here, for the present, Gentiles shall come to thy light. The people of other lands, of other nations, will see the light of Jesus and will be converted. And that's our theme tonight. In three headings. The light has come. 
We can see the light and we can come to the light. These three points as the Lord will help us in the rest of our time. First of all then, the light has come. After a more extensive introduction, the first thing we want to notice is that the light that is prophesied in this chapter has already come now. That is, this is not an unfulfilled prophecy which we are waiting for, but a fulfilled prophecy. At least in this section as to the coming of the light and the response of the Gentiles. That is the, the meaning and that's the, that's the point of, of John beginning his gospel with these words about the light of the world. He is laying claim to this that the promise of Isaiah is fulfilled in Jesus, the light of the world. His life was the light of men. He came into the darkness and the darkness couldn't swallow him up. It couldn't comprehend him. It couldn't encircle or encompass him. It couldn't consume him because he was the true light. He was the light that lights every man that comes into the world. And John there in that opening salvo of his gospel is laying down powerful markers about Jesus. Certainly that he is God and the word was God. But also thus claim that he is the light that is promised and prophesied in the Old Testament. The promised saviour. And he came. A light came. Jesus came. And because what Isaiah promises here is something that we can look to as being a fact of history. An event that has occurred. Because of that, because the light has come, we have a gospel to declare and a gospel to proclaim. That's why we have a message. If the light hadn't come, we wouldn't have anything to tell you tonight. But because the light has come, we do. Because the light has come, there's a foundation and a solidity to the gospel message. Only when the light has come do we have any assurance that Gentiles will be drawn in. They won't be drawn in before then, says Isaiah, but they will be at that point. See, with the coming of the light of the world, we can with solid authority come to you tonight here in a Gentile nation and declare amongst ourselves the good news of heaven. The glory of the Lord has come. And this fact stands at the root of all that is done here tonight and is done in any gospel church every Sunday. The promises of Isaiah are not unfulfilled, they are not waiting to be accomplished. The light that is promised has come. Thy light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. That means that the darkness over all the world is a retreating darkness. It is in full retreat. Despite the difficulties and trials we might find in our day, yet 
The sun of righteousness is risen with healing in his wings. The light has come. And the night and the darkness will never return in the same way again. Gross darkness over the people. And all you who are here, poor sinners of Ness tonight, you know that Jesus came long ago. And you maybe take that for granted sometimes. But do you not realize what it means that Jesus has come? If the light of Jesus has not come, then God has not sent me out with a message to preach. And he hasn't sent anyone else out with a message to the Gentiles to tell them and declare that there's salvation and forgiveness and hope and heaven. Indeed, there is no nation that the gospel is sent to apart from Israel if Christ does not come. There is no hope for you and for me because there's no authority for the gospel message if Christ does not come. Our ancestors in this land lived and died in the misery of a fallen race, fallen mankind. They had no hope. They lived and died with druids and with dreams and with rituals and with relics. That's how they existed. And no message was sent to them before the light came. No prophet ever traversed the seas to come to Britain or to come to Scotland or to come to these Hebrides. God never sent anyone to us before. Why? Because the light had not come. But now that Jesus has come and now that the light of this world has dawned, there is something to tell. And we are telling it once more again tonight. And we're telling the same thing, friends, but we make no apology for that. Because there is something to tell. And for hundreds of years in this part of the world, in this Gentile nation, there was nothing to tell. There was no word from God. There was gross darkness. And so the light has come. Secondly, We can see the light. In verse 4, Isaiah urges the Jews to see what the nations are seeing. To see the light of the Lord. And friends, this is the wonder. That there's something to see. Not only has he come. Not only has the light of the world come, but he lightens every man who comes into the world. That's not to say everyone is saved. You and I know that that's not true. We know that that's not the consistent teaching of the Bible. But as the light rises, as the sun rises on a new day, well, its light gets everywhere. Its beams Cast away the darkness, shorten every shadow, dispel the gloom everywhere. And everyone gets to see the light of the sun. So it is with the coming of the light of the world in Jesus. No one is left in darkness in the same way anymore. When the gospel message has been declared in your midst. He shines here, even here in our land. And here in our island. And here in our district. And here in our building tonight. His coming 
is not an exclusive, limited coming given only to the Jews. There was such a light before, you remember it in Egypt, when there was a plague of darkness upon all the land of Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. It was a light that was confined and a light that was limited to the Hebrews of that time. But this time, no. This time the nations of the world and all people of the world are witnesses to the transformation caused by the coming of the light of God in Jesus. By the power of the light of the coming of Jesus, the Roman world was evangelized And the apostles and emissaries of the light of the world went out carrying that light into the world. And even eventually, the Roman Empire itself professed Christ Jesus, even up to the emperor upon the throne. And by his light, the nations of this world have been gradually invaded by the light of the world. And the darkness and the gross darkness of ignorance that used to be a blanket cover upon all the people of the nations of this world has had to retreat, has had to give up its grip of darkness. That darkness of universal spiritual deadness outside of Israel is gone. And we can see that the coming of Jesus was the coming of the light that changed everything. We can see today, even if you are not a Christian here, you can see if you will look that the coming of Jesus changed everything. We can discern the impact of this great gospel upon every area of life. On the political world, you can demonstrate the impact of the gospel. That shook the Roman Empire to its foundations so that the world was never the same again. On the economic world, you can discern the distinctions of gospel principles reaching out into the businesses and the money men of the world. On the military world, on the ethical world, on the religious world, on the philosophical world, on the world of the family. There is not one aspect of life. And is untouched by the coming of the light of the world into our midst. No area of life is under the same gross darkness as before. But especially, of course, we speak of the changes brought in the spiritual world. How forefathers worshipped the moon and the stars. Those of Norse descent worshipped the lightning and the thunder, perhaps the trees, the constellations. Do we see the light? Do we see what has happened? We're in grave need of the counsel that Isaiah gave to the Jews. Lift up thine eyes round about and see. It has been a dramatic, complete change. Look at what is here. Look at what has occurred. Think how this world has changed almost beyond all recognition since the coming of Jesus. Now, there are still great bouts and floods even of wickedness in this world. 
There are tidal waves sometimes that seem to be of iniquity, that can overwhelm, that can push back against the light. But they do not transform the landscape the way the coming of the light does. How different any scene and setting and country and land looks in the darkness compared to the dawn. But in the darkness at night time, and you can think of it as most foreboding, most difficult, even getting down the stairs in the dark in your house at night, even trying to do some simple task with no light, how hard it can be, how dangerous it seems to be made. But in the daylight, it's simple. In the daylight, it's useful. Men used to Howl before the storms and weep before the winds, thinking that God was in these things speaking. Men with every bit as much intelligence as modern men. They weren't cavemen or apemen or men of great of just grunts. Why did they do these things? Why were they so deceived by them? Because of the prevailing darkness. They couldn't see. Friend, are you here tonight? Under the light of the gospel of Jesus. But unable to see it. Have you ever looked and thought, what has happened? Look at the impact of the coming of Christ upon my world. He has come. You look to Bethlehem and see God born as a baby boy. You look to Nazareth and see the boy Jesus raised by a carpenter, subject to his parents. You look to Galilee at the place of his countless miracles and parables and healings. You look to the place where the sea and even the wind were obedient to him. You look to Jerusalem where he was taken and arrested and tried and condemned all the time knowing of his innocence. You look to the cross and see there the place where God forsook the Son of God in order to save sinners. You look to the other cross that was nearby where was upon it that thief. But that very day he was with Jesus in paradise. You look at the grave of Joseph of Arimathea that place that housed the body of Jesus for three days, but now it is empty because he is risen. You look up to the clouds that scud across our sky, that received him into glory, and by which the angel promised he will come again. What happened by the coming of Christ? Sin was born upon his shoulders. The law was kept in its perfection. Righteousness was provided and produced by the obedience of Christ. God's wrath was exhausted finally at Calvary. Hell was robbed. The grave was defeated. The chains of sin were broken. The captives were set free. The power of Satan was neutered. The Spirit of God was poured out at Pentecost. And the good news was sent into all the world. Did not the world change with the coming of Christ? Is it not such a light that has never dawned in the world before? 
Oh, you can see the light, friend, if you will look. The glory of the light. We can see the light. But there's something even better, something more precious still in our text. And it says this thirdly, we can come to the light. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. Our text does not say we can see the light and do nothing about it. We can hear about the light in a sermon and sit still in our hearts and our pews. It says we come to the light. And indeed, not just that we can, but the Gentiles do come to the light. They shall come. And this is part of the same prophecy that prophesied the coming of the light. And it was real and Jesus has come. And on the next breath it says, and Gentiles come to that light. There is here a great swelling of the torrent of the gospel. Catching up poor souls in its tremendous force. And sweeping them onwards to salvation. They shall come. It's a a certain promise and a prophecy. What's the prophecy of? It's a prophecy that the way is open. And that Gentiles will be free. Gentiles who knew nothing about circumcision. or The Levitical priesthood or... The day of atonement, that Gentiles be free to avail themselves of the light. And that this light of the world that would come would be indeed the light of the world. It would be for Gentiles as well as for Jews. And that they would see and come to the light of the glory of God. And so Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Can you find, friend, in this text, in this passage, any restriction, any restraint upon you to come to the light, dear friend? Here it says it again. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Is there any there, any inhibition? Is there any prohibition to come to the light of the Lord Jesus as a Gentile sinner who sees that in Jesus' coming there was the dawning of a new world? (coughs) The Bible knows no such barrier for you. Not even for a Gentile, not even for a Gentile sinner, not even for a wretch, not even for the most miserable soul here tonight. The way is open and the way is free and that light is a drawing light. And oh, that would draw us all to the light and bring us to Christ so we can see the light. We can come to the light. Friends, will you come to the light this evening? Will you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world this evening? Will you have the the darkness of your heart dispelled Because Jesus has taken up residence in your soul. You know he's the only one who can do that. There's darkness. And a void in the the heart of every single soul in this world. And each one of us here without Christ. 
The only one who can dispel the darkness is Jesus. You think of the darkness of this world. You think of the the gloom that sometimes descends upon your life and the struggles that you have. What is the remedy? What is your remedy? What do you have to keep the gross darkness at bay? What do you propose if not Christ? To bring light into your life and hope and joy and mercy and happiness. What can you do? Nothing of yourself. You can try. You can distract yourself with some foolish, unwise scheme. You can try morality. You can try religion even. Works religion. Man's religion. But you won't find anything to dispel the darkness but the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, over here, friends, under the gospel, under the light, here is true liberty. Here is joy and happiness in Jesus Christ that you cannot have anywhere else in the world. Here is salvation to all the ills of the world. Why would you stay away? Gentiles are pouring into the kingdom of Christ. Why would you stay away when you sit now upon the borders of Canaan, the promised land? Why? Why would you stay away? What keeps you? What hinders you? Maybe it's pride. You see, the, our natural reaction when we have done something for a long time is to keep doing it because to change is to admit to ourselves and to everyone else that we were wrong all along. And so many people have realized a long ago that they were wrong to resist Christ, wrong to reject the gospel. But pride makes them insist upon it publicly. They will not turn. They will not change. Oh, what a foolish thing to keep a soul from the light. Or it may be fear. Fear can keep a soul from the light. Sometimes a little shaft of light from the perfect law of God, shines down into your heart, into your soul. It illuminates part of your life, part of your habits perhaps, part of your experience. And what does it find? Sin. Oh, the law will shine the shaft of the torchlight, the, the searchlight of the law of God upon your heart and it shows you sin. And oh, you're afraid to come to the light. Why? Because your deeds will be exposed. More sin. I, I, I cried for weeks. I was a, a wreck. I was a mess. When the law of God showed me something of my sin. How can I go to this God? Where there is such brightness. I will be seen for what I am. I'm afraid to go to the light. Oh poor sinner. Yes the light will show you your sin. The light of the world will dispel the blackness and darkness of sin as well. It will make you white and clean and fit in a way that you cannot ever be without it. Fear can keep you away. And guilt too in the same way. What secret do you harbour? Guilt. 
what is so that you would have to confess guilt? What is so that makes you on the inside hang down with shame? Oh, the guilt that would destroy you if you came to the light, you think. But oh no, friends, the guilt will destroy you if you don't come to the light. Because you will hold that guilt until you end up in a place that is said to be outer darkness. Where there is no light there. In heaven it is said there is no night there. In hell there is no light there. Oh, why will you not come to the light of the world? Here is a promise for you. If you are afraid, how can you come? Gentiles shall come to thy light. That means the way is open. We are assured tonight that for poor needy souls here, the way is open for you. Many before you, Gentiles, have streamed into the kingdom of God and to the brightness of the coming of Jesus and they have found everything in him that their soul ever needed or wanted or desired. Christ has been their all. They've come to the light. And friends, tonight there are some here beside in the pews and they're already in this great stream of Gentiles going to the light. And you know what we're doing in the gospel? We're holding out our hand to you and saying, take my hand and come with us. Come with us and we will do you good. Come to the light. Come to the Saviour. The way is open. There's no barrier. God is reconciled to men in Christ Jesus. Now be ye reconciled to God. That is the gospel message. We're holding out our hands to you to come with us. And leave behind the darkness. Leave behind the darkness of sin. And the gross darkness of a lost heart. Of unforgiven sins, of stubborn unbelief, and of a hell that is waiting for you with its jaws open. Leave it behind the darkness and come to the light. Dearest people, dear friends, come to the light of the Lord Jesus Christ who saves dark sinners. And who gives them light. Let us pray.